High atop the Palazzo Insomnia in the heart of the Eternal City, this is Father Z with a podcast deep in the Roman night. It's the 4th of May, in the year of our salvation 2007 and the dawn of a first Friday is still far away. The moon is casting dashes of silver on the tiled rooftops, and black shadowy cupolas stand still, as if in silent expectation, waiting, waiting. Will it be today? Will it be tomorrow? Come to you, my love, my heart above my head. Though I see the danger there, if there's a chance for me, then I don't care. Fools rushing where go but wise men never fall in love so how are they to know when we met I felt my life begin so open up your heart and let this fool rush in serenade of a diesel bus delicately pulls us from our reveries and the dulcet harmonies of staggering drunks in the Piazza delle Cinque Lune awake the seagulls with the usual consequences. And so once again, the pages of my breviary fall open to the Office of Meetings, where tonight I hear Clement of Rome whispering across centuries long past. The letter attributed to Clement of Rome was composed around 96 or 98. Uh, And that really is, you know, first century, 96 or 98, right on the threshold of the persecution of Christians that was launched by the Emperor Domitian. And it was written uh, to the Christian community of Corinth in Greece. Now, pretty much everyone 
thinks that this letter was written by Clement, who was Bishop of Rome, though uh, ancient authors like Origen of Alexandria suggested perhaps it was uh, a co-worker of St. Paul uh, who wrote it. But this letter is super important for our knowledge of first century Roman theology and also liturgy. One of the most important things this letter reveals, however, is the confidence which the author, probably the Bishop of Rome, had in his own right to intervene in the life of another Christian community. Now, the letter addresses a problem, and it seeks to resolve uh, the dismissal of priests by a group that in Corinth that's kind of hard to identify. It's trying to reestablish peace and unity of heart and mind and proper order and discipline uh, and to move those who revolted against their priests who had their legitimate authority from apostolic tradition. So first of all, uh, this letter uses examples from the Old Testament to show the ill effects of hatred and the good effects of humility, especially through the history of salvation. And it argues also, and we're going to hear a little bit of this in the selection that we have today, which is from the second reading of the Office of Readings for today, it argues on the model of the harmony of, a, of an army, a Roman army, and it also uses the example of a human body, and all of the, the way that the members, all the different parts of these things, the army and the body, all work together for the good of the whole. And therefore, the, how the church must be the same way. It must be interconnected and harmonious with itself. And this letter really seems to be very interested in, uh, once again, in this disciplinary problem in Corinth, rather than a, uh, in some kind of doctrinal conflict there may have been even though there are references in the letter to maybe, you know perhaps doubts about the resurrection it seems to be mostly disciplinary trying to make sure that the group different groups or factions in Corinth are getting along in harmony let's turn now to the words of the letter of Clement of Rome composed at the end of the first century to the community in Corinth Aute he hodos agapetoi, en he heuromento soterion humon Jesun Christon, ton archierea ton prosphoron humon, ton prostaten kai boeton tes astreas humon. Dia tuto, eteneizomen estas hypce ton uranon, dia tuto enoptridzometa ten amomon kai hypetaten opsin autu. My dear friends, this is the way in which we find our Savior Jesus Christ, the High Priest of all our offerings, the Defender and Helper of our infirmity. By Him we look up to the heights of heaven. In His face, exalted and without blemish, we see ourselves reflected. By Him the eyes of our hearts are opened. By him our foolish and darkened understanding blossoms up anew towards his marvelous light. By him the Lord has willed that we should taste of immortal knowledge. 
He is the radiant light of God's glory. He is now as far above the angels, as the title which he has inherited is higher than their own name. Let us then, men and brethren, with all energy act the part of soldiers in accordance with his holy commandments. Think of the soldiers who serve under our generals, and with what order, obedience, and submissiveness they perform the things which are commanded them. Not all are prefects, nor commanders of a thousand, nor of a hundred, nor of fifty, nor the like, but each one, in his own rank, performs the things commanded by the king and the generals. The great cannot subsist without the small, nor the small without the great. There is a kind of mixture in all things, and hence arises mutual advantage. Let us take our body for an example. The head is nothing without the feet, and the feet are nothing without the head. The very smallest members of our body are necessary and useful to the whole body. All work harmoniously together, and they are under one common rule for the preservation of the whole body. In Christ Jesus, let our whole body be preserved intact. Let every one of us be subject to his neighbor according to the special gift bestowed upon him. Let the strong not despise the weak, and let the weak show respect to the strong. Let the rich man provide for the wants of the poor, and let the poor man bless God, because he has given him one by whom his need may be supplied. Let the wise man display his wisdom, not by mere words, but through good deeds. Let the humble not bear testimony to himself, but leave witness to be borne to him by another. Let him that is pure in the flesh not grow proud of it and boast, knowing that it was another who bestowed on him the gift of continence. Let us consider then, brethren, of what matter we were made. Let us consider how we came into this world, as it were out of a sepulchre and from utter darkness, who and what manner of beings we were. He who made us and fashioned us having prepared his bountiful gifts for us before we were born, introduced us into his world. Since, therefore, we receive all these things from him, we ought for everything to give him thanks. To whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Hoi he doxa hes tus aionas ton aionon. Amin. That was part of the letter of Clement of Rome to the community in Corinth, written at the end of the first century. And there are really some very beautiful images in there. I like how uh, he talks about our understanding blossoming up toward uh, the marvelous light who is God. And, uh, you know, every once in a while I'll put uh, a, a vase of tulips out here on my shelf, uh, here high above Rome, and uh, during the day when the sun swings around, all the tulips bend over toward the light. It's a very, very interesting image how the thing 
things stretch upwards, all the plant life and all the upright, rational life tend to extend upward, upward toward the sky, upward toward the heaven. And another thing uh, that I found really interesting in here is the emphasis on the harmony of the whole, how the great cannot subsist without the small, nor the small without a great, because there is a mutual advantage in the mixture. Well, just recently I attended a conference of the Acton Institute that was on, uh, it was a whole series through the whole year on uh, Centesimus Annus, which was a, an encyclical of Pope John Paul, and it was part of the church's social doctrines. Very, very interesting. And we heard a talk uh, last night that talked about uh, the one and the many in a free society and how uh, the proper understanding of one and many is essential for a, a well-ordered society. And so the talk then moved into the individualism and then collectivism and how on the one hand you've got diversity, uh, the possibility of diversity, but then again you have the problem of maybe multiculturalism and all that. When both of these things, each one, create their own sets of problems. And there has to be a balance between the individual and the individual's liberty and then again uh, the collective, everyone working together so that it cannot merely you know verge into a totalitarianism and a totalitarianism which results because of the uh, rampant individualistic freedom of individuals each you know separated from each other or small groups that are separated each from the other trying to impose their will which create a kind of a a, a deadlock and on the other hand uh, the reduction of individuals to one particular will, you know, re will being emphasized over reason or reason being emphasized over will. It's very interesting. We need to have a balance in order to make things work. There has to be the one and the many. There has to be the greater and there has to be the smaller all together. And the only way that this can work is if there is a recognition of something outside this system itself. And of course, according to you know Catholic teaching, uh, we have to have uh, the recognition of God over all of us. And so here, Clement of Rome is talking about looking at the face of Christ, who is without blemish, and seeing ourselves reflected in the face of Christ, which is exalted and without blemish. It's really a very beautiful thing. You know, in the teachings of the Second Vatican Council, in Gaudium et Spes, in paragraph number 22, it's, some, it's a paragraph to which uh, the, the late Holy Father, John Paul II, as a young bishop, contributed some of his thinking. We hear in there that Christ came into this world to reveal man more fully to himself. And so as we look at God we, uh, in, in Christ... Uh, as we see him, you know, God and man, and look at him without blemish, exalted and without blemish, we can see ourselves and we begin to learn about ourselves, who we are, and therefore we begin to look at other people in the same way, that these people also, other people are made in God's image and likeness, that therefore they are subjects of their own actions, they are also exalted in many ways that they are they were made for glory they were made one day to be without blemish 
just like we were. And in this recognition of our unity in Christ, uh, we begin to understand much better how the individual in society fits and how collectives fit and how groups fit and how all things need to work together for a harmony. Anyway, um, to maybe you know, make a jump from Clement of Rome to Gaudium et Spes and uh, a talk I heard on Centesi Mosanus, maybe that's a little bit of a stretch, but it's very interesting how the truth, how different truths uh, pop up and manifest themselves in all sorts of things that are attached to that same wonderful Catholic tradition that we have, this magnificent tradition. All things that reflect the truth are going to be in harmony with each other. And therefore, all people who are connected to the truth, especially through charity, are going to be harmonious one with the other. Now, to bring to a conclusion our reflection on Clement's letter to Corinth, I would only add that in three of the manuscripts which have this letter, there is another one transcribed right after it. And it really isn't a letter at all. But sometimes it's called Second Clement, though it doesn't have anything to do with Clement, and it dates to about 150 or so. And what it is is a penitential homily. It's by an unknown author, and it is the oldest example of Christian preaching that we probably possess. But it, it, just because it's called Second Clement, uh, and you might see it referred to that way in literature, it that doesn't mean that it was written by Clement of Rome. In fact, it's uh, quite a bit afterwards, but it's a very, very important thing for our understanding of early Christian preaching. Tell me at midnight Before the moon starts fading Tell me at midnight Why go on masquerading The sky is so full of stars And I can hear soft guitars The still of the night is near The thrill of my life is near Kiss me at midnight Let us love now or never Tell me at midnight Your heart is mine forever that I'm going to wrap up this podcast and try to get back to sleep. I hope you get some good sleep tonight, and I uh, hope you come and visit the blog too, wdtprs.com. That's what does the prayer really say. God bless you and yours.